Somebody's excited to be here. Just imagine we're all that excited to be at church today. Wouldn't that be awesome? We need to put Legos out and everything. All right, let's everybody get up and worship the Lord. Well, others are shaking off like dogs inside, getting the wet. A little bit damp out there? Yay, man, somebody loves everything. me 
Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray Find in me thine all in love Cause Jesus paid all All to him I owe Crimson stain, he washed it white and sun.
Jesus, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Because what did Jesus do? He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Lord God. We come to you now today um, with uh, rain pouring out of the skies, um, and we're not thrilled about it because we've had some great weather this week, but God, all this stuff is secondary to the fact that you paid everything, that you are a magnificent God. Um, we've shared in this series just about how great you are, and so God, during the rest of this time to get today, um, just help us just refocus our lives and our commitments and everything to you um, as we really focus on, on what it means to be a Christian and what it means to serve you, and what it means to just receive the gifts that you've given to us, the gifts uh, from of your life. So, God, um, the rest of the, this time together is yours, um, whether we're here in the flesh or whether we're watching the church online, whatever it may be, God, or whether we see it three weeks from now, whatever it may be, God, reach out through your Holy Spirit and touch each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, our children go to our Sunday school, Shoreline Ministry, and everybody else just go ahead and greet each other and say hello. Hello, everyone. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to see you all here today. Um, we have a couple things to go over. Number one, uh, welcoming visitors. Um, so if you're visiting, welcome. Um, if you're visiting online, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you're visiting in, per in, in person, um, we have a small gift for you. Thank you for being here. If you fill out that card and take it to the back here, we'll go ahead. If uh, you're visiting online, uh, let us know that you're there. Check in and say hello. We're glad. Um, I love reading the comments from people every week. It's, um, it's really cool to see the people that are connecting and all that good stuff. All right? A um, couple other things. Um, you can see our church-wide study. We are in week four, um, message five, which is actually because we did an intro on crazy love. You still can connect to one of the small groups. We have them um, several different places. And if you need to know that, we can connect you with that. That would be awesome. Um, also, we talk, you have a thing about grief, and you can see that um, from our Stephen ministry, and they have a prayer in there for grief. We know many people are going through certain things, um, and so we want to lift that up. Also, if you want to connect and need a Stephen minister, we'd be glad to provide that for you. Trunk or treat tonight is on. Uh, probably my, We're going to say minus trunks because I don't think anybody wants to get uh, trunk and dunk, okay? It might be uh, too wet out there. Um, they're saying, what, one to two inches of rain? That's a lot. So... Um, so we're going to have it, and we'll probably have it inside, right, Dana? And it'll be fun. Kids will have a great time. Tell your neighbors, friends. We're going to have still the awesome time that we usually do with that. Um, so plan to be here 6 to 8. 
um, and it is free. So uh, hopefully those of you who are watching online will go ahead and join us as well. Uh, Dining for Women Christmas Party, isn't that scary? We're already thinking of Christmas. Um, will be December the 6th. Um, 6.30 at Judy Music's house. She has her um, address there and has some things. Prizes will be given for the ugliest and most original, not person, ugly sweater. Okay, um, so we have that in there if you're interested. Go ahead and put that on your calendar now because we have uh, a lot of opportunities to do that. Now, I know this sounds um, really interesting, but we do have an insert in here for Operation Christmas Child. Last week we were blessed to have, um, what was her name? Natalia, she was here with us and shared about the effects and how positive Operation Christmas Child was. Last year, um, we had um, somebody put our goal is to exceed 320. I said it's up to you, okay? I want you to check your own heart, your own life, what God has given to you. I'd love to um, smash it and surprise ourselves, all right? So um, please plan on bringing those in. But next week, um, if you want to give things for the children to put together, um, boxes, they are already putting together their um, Operation Christmas Child boxes uh, in Sunday school next week. That seems like early to me, doesn't it to you? But we're here. We're getting here. So we want to make sure that if um, you want to give, you want to give financially to that, you can do so today. You can say, hey, here's money for that. Um, our treasurer will make sure that goes to, for those areas. If you want to bring stuff in, we can do those as well. Okay, so, so please make sure that you go ahead and connect as our children love doing that. And they'll get us started on the pile. We usually have a pile of boxes over in the corner um, and all over the place. And so they'll get us started um, next week. But you can start bringing them in too. And the boxes, are, your boxes are supposed to be due next week too. So start bringing them in. All right? Start bringing the boxes. What are you going to do next week? There you go. Not just regular boxes, fill them, okay, for Operation Christmas Job. And I've always said, you saw the box she had. It was kind of a plastic box, which is good because they can continue to reuse that as well. So if you want to get one of those as well. And don't forget, like, shipping is, you know, part of the cost as well. All right? Um, if you have any other connection, um, questions, you can contact uh, Liz or somebody else here. All right? Um, let's see if we got anything else here. Outreach opportunities, Parish Foundation, November 19th. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities. You can sign up in the Bell Cafe, or you can do so. Um, Haven Helping Hands, uh, hcc.org. You can um, go ahead and connect there. Um, starting collection today for Thanksgiving boxes, right? So, um, okay, plenty of sign-ups there. So if you'd like to connect, please go ahead and connect there as well. All right? Everybody good? Okay, we have some uh, prayer requests. We want to ask for prayer for uh, Teresa Musall and family, for her father, Carl Thomas, who has been um, for a recent uh, diagnosis with lung lung cancer. Um, Pray for comfort, peace, and ultimately God's healing in um, Carl's life. Um, John just got called out um, during Bible class. Um, And please keep him and other officers safe. Um, We tend to forget that they're... uh, that no matter what's going on, that they still um, have a job to do. Um, and often the weather doesn't stop crime. Um, so they have to go out for these things. Um, and I can't read your writing. It's your daughter, right? What's her name? Sarah. Okay. Sarah. And what's her last name? Diener. Okay, there we go. Sarah Diener. Um, and Sarah is um, the Stecker's uh, daughter. And she had a mass in her abdomen. Um, we, uh, some of the prayers that come out this week. Um, and has an appointment with, um, with uh, gynecology and urology. Is that right? Okay. So we want to pray for her at Johns Hopkins on Wednesday. So definitely be praying. How old is Sarah? 
Huh? 24. So we definitely want to lift her and the entire family in your prayers. And pray, pray hard, hard on Wednesday for that. Okay? We want to do that. Are there any other prayers that we need? Yes. Yay. All right. Rosie, we've been waiting for that for a while, right? And so everything, we've been praying, and Rosie's going to get her trach out. And look out. She's ready to, ready to roar, isn't she? So um, she's, she's great. So we want to thank God for, for his uh, healing touch on Rosie. Anybody else? Any prayers? Anybody? Oh, yeah, right there. I got an announcement. Uh, we launched our new engagement called Stockings and Soldiers. I think they're going to start on Veterans Day. And I'm going to go pick up stockings for a few. We're going to go out to uh, Athens uh, for the Memorial Day of Veterans. And I got a list. Just out of curiosity, I don't know how many stockings you pick up approximately. Who might be interested in doing that? <laughs> I'll, I'll get a big box. <laughs> You know what, I guys just got to say, I, I love the fact that we, we really, more than any church I've ever served, um, we, we ask for something, and everybody's like, yep, 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 yep. And you'll hear in the message today that I'm talking about the gospel according to Luke 1. One of them is about giving. Um, you guys can check out during that time when we talk, all right? Because this is a very, very supportive and giving church. And it's never, no, wait, we already gave. We already, I have literally been part of churches where I said, we can't give anymore. Um, and I've been to them to say, uh, you got to quit asking. Um, and this church just always says, Bob just says, how many stock? I think he's going to go buy like a pack of uh, tube socks over there or whatever it is um, to kind of go ahead. That's awesome. And you guys should be proud of that. That's, that's an amazing thing. All right. So let's go to Lord in prayer right now. All right. Gracious God, we come to you today and um, we, uh, we love the fact that um, that you uh, have given your life for us. That it means everything. And so often, God, in the hustle and bustle of our small, little, tiny place on the planet, our small, insignificant uh, lives at times that seem so big and so important fail in comparison with all that you are. And so, God, during this time together, you find our worship amazing. And you love us so much that in this time and in this attitude of our worship, you meet us right where we are. And your, your presence, the creator of the universe, is right here with us. So God, I just want to thank you for caring about us so much. So Lord, right now as we look upon today, we, uh, we look at many people who have needs. We have Teresa and her family who are, have a bad diagnosis from a, a father a husband, a grandfather, and all those areas that Carl has been for many, many years. And, and God, we know what diagnosis looked like, but we also know that you're healing Jesus. And we just claim that upon his life. God, in addition, we just recognize for all those first responders like our very own John White, who uh, when, when the call comes, they go. Not knowing fully all the time what they're going to get into, but they just go because of their love for us and for, um, for justice in the world. Keep them protected and, and keep them whole, not just uh, those that we know, but all those around the world that each and every week we hear about firefighters and, and, and also those um, soldiers and those who are uh, police officers that pay the ultimate price for being there for us. Protect them, God, during this time. And for Sarah... For Sarah, who's 24 years old and looking at life ahead, and then we have this, this setback. God, we know that um, 
that you have the medical staff at Hopkins and others that are ministering healing. I ask for prayer for our parents and for those that love her, just to give them peace, to let them know that, God, you are, you are the chief physician in her life, and you are um, bringing your healing to her right now as we speak. God, we, these things a lot of times just set us completely back. We wonder, man, God, what's going on here? But, God, we know that, that you love us, and you're not going to leave us forsaken. So, God, just be with Sarah and the entire Stecker family. And God, for everything else, for all unspoken prayers, for, for joys about that, um, of a church that, that just loves to serve you and loves to serve others, I give you thanks. And God, today as we embrace crazy love and look at this, uh, the gospel according to lukewarm, we recognize, hey, we're really awesome in some areas, but God, if we're really honest in ourselves, there's a lot of areas in our life where we're a little bit lukewarm. So God, just... Just hear us in our prayers that you would draw us closer to you. As this time, we take time to thank you for the fact that we have been so blessed by you. Whether we're here, whether part of church online, that you've blessed us in order to be in ministry for almost 10 years. And God, that's to accomplish your will, not ours. And we do that through the, the gifts and the love, the, the time, the presence, the service, and the financial gifts from your people. And so, God, at this time, we ask that you go ahead and bless this tithe, your tithe and our offerings, so that, many, that we can increase the ministries around the world and meet many, many more, because the needs are great. But ultimately, God, that, so that people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and recognize that you alone are God. For this and all things, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
death is done. All of hell is overcome. Jesus, you are alive. Hallelujah, death is done. All of hell is overcome. Jesus, you are alive. Down in the valley, when waters rise, I'm still believing hope is alive. All through the struggle and darkest day, I remember the empty grave. scripture reading is from Revelation chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. Oops. <laughs> to the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Everybody's good? Okay, besides the rain. Doesn't it, doesn't it make you not want to get out of bed? I don't know, what is it? Like this week when it was cold and getting a little bit darker, how many wanted to just curl up a little bit longer? And then it's raining, and then you want to curl up a little bit longer. Tomorrow morning, curl up a little bit longer, all right? So, um, but tonight you can fill up with candy, so it may make you get up a little bit um, earlier. So, all right. So I, I need, um, we're, in, we're in this next week, and we're... Um, Talking about, this is uh, about crazy love, but this week we are going to talk about um, something different. The gospel according to lukewarm. Now, I want to ask a question of you. How many of you have a weak stomach? Would say you have a weak stomach. That, if, okay, so, so like you, um, you may see something and you start to, 
right? You may eat something. I'm like, if, if I said throw up, everybody join with me. Say throw up. Throw up. Everybody say vomit. vomit. Anybody getting sick yet? Okay. What if I, sh- what if I throw up? Okay, all right. You ever seen how, like, when people throw up, other people start to throw up? You remember, I remember, I remember um, when Jacob was a baby, um, he, was, he, uh, he had eaten, and then I was holding him and burping him, and he just threw up all over my T-shirt. Have you ever tried to get a thro- vomited T-shirt off your head without getting it in your hair and your ear? Anybody who's been a parent ever had that? Isn't it disgusting? Like, it's totally disgusting, you know? Um, and you're just like, ugh. How many of you have ever, like, gagged chase, changing a diaper? Because, you know, I don't know what, I know what you put into them, but I'm not sure what it does when it's coming out. It's like, it's like some kind of creative uh, laboratory going on there or something. So, um, hold on to that, because we're going to come back to that today. But um, today we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 3. And, um, and it's an interesting verse. It's one that's been talked about throughout church history for a long, long time. And um, basically, I want to give you some context. In Revelation chapter 3, there are seven churches that Jesus himself writes a letter to specifically. And John records that to these, letter, these letters here. Now, there are six of the seven in which Jesus says to them, Hey, you've done this well, but let me get you corrected here. Okay? The seventh one, the, the one here that we're going to talk about today, is not the one one of those six. It's another one that Jesus really starts to say, hey, there's an issue here, and you got to fix this issue because it's being an issue, okay? And if we really look back into history, and I'm going to share some history with you about this place, um, what, there, was, there was really nothing good in this church that Jesus could find. Now, on face value, it was an awesome church. On face value, it was probably uh, a, a church that people said, wow, look at it. They've got resources, they've got everything. And it's a place called Laodicea, okay? And I, got a, I think I got a picture. There it is right there. It's the ruins of Laodicea. It was a wealthy city. It was extremely wealthy based off of finance. They had a great textile industry. And they were famous for their eye salve, okay? They were famous for their eye salve. In the ancient world, you needed eye salve, I guess. Um, so, but it had a large Jewish population that was there in this area of what is modern-day Turkey, and it was a center for, for worship of Caesar and also to the healing god, Asce- let me say, Asclepius, okay? And Asclepius, um, if you got made well, you would sacrifice, in the Greek culture, you would sacrifice a rooster um, to him, thanking him for going ahead and healing you. So connected to this worship center for this healing god was a, um, in the Greek culture there, was a school for medicine. It was a medical school. So it was one of the top medical schools. This was an area that would have had like the Johns Hopkins of the times. So it was really, really an important city. So it's good in finance. It's great in textile industry. They are pumping out ISAV right and left to the ancient world because they also are doctors and they're the doctors of the day. So this is a very, very wealthy place. Um, in 60 AD, they actually had an earthquake that destroyed the city. Um, and, they, and when Rome said, hey, we'll help you, they said, no, 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 no. You're not going to help us. We'll, we can pay for it ourselves. They paid for all the cleanup themselves. That tells you how wealthy this place was. Now, later on, 
um, in 200-something, um, it ended up another earthquake, and just they didn't have the money that they did then, and, and went down to a small uh, village in, into the 19th and to the 20th century, and then it's pretty much what you see now, a barren area. But at its time, it was a thriving metropolis of wealth and resources right and left. And um, some of the scholars have written that they were too rich to accept help from anyone. But they had some problems in this city. Number one, they had problems with water supply. Their water supply had to come from about a six-mile aqueduct, and the nearest source for that water for them came from a hot springs. Okay, so they had to get hot springs and had to travel six miles um, to get to them. They also had uh, a nearby... uh, the Lycus River, which also, it wasn't great water. It was kind of sulfury, but it was colder. So they had, you had this hot water from the springs that also had a lot of sulfur. You had this other kind of, kind of nasty tasting cold water, but you had it, okay? So I want you to keep this in mind as we're here. But the city was lavish. It had the world's top theaters. It had giant stadiums. It had shopping centers and shopping malls and everywhere. And so here we come to this point where John is in the spirit in Revelation and Jesus appears to him. And this is what Jesus writes to the church in Revelation. I'm going to read this for you, even though Debbie just did. I want to go ahead and read uh, a little bit more. To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, meaning the, um, the so be it. To the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to do what? Spit you out of my mouth. Now look at that. He says, I know your what? I know your what? deeds. I know that your deeds. I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing. This is Jesus saying, I see what you're doing. Everybody else thinks, wow, that Laodicean church. Man, I wish I was part of that church. They have all kinds of resources. You should see what they do. Man, they got a light show that you would not believe. There's people running across the stage with torches. I mean, they got it going on. You know, I mean, the water's a little bit bad, but it's either hot or cold, but you know, it's, you know, it's it kind of, yeah. all right. But hey, guess what? They're awesome. And Jesus says, no, I see through all that stuff that you're lukewarm. And he says, because you're lukewarm, I'm about ready to, right? Anybody, what, anybody ever eaten something? Anybody ever been, anybody ever been, uh, have food poisoning? And he's just like, right? All right, you start to have that? I remember one time, um, I'm going to share with you some vomit stories, okay? Um, I remember one time, uh, a year ago from, you guys, might, some of you might remember, not this past birthday, but the year before, I was really sick, and I, it was a Sunday, and I had to preach, um, and, um, and I, what did I take, Zofran, is that what it is? Yeah, keeps everything down, so I'm not, you know, that would have been an interesting sermon, you would have thought I was possessed, like, you know, or whatever, all right, um, but I remember, I, for some reason, decided to eat Doritos that night, yeah, exactly, all right, and and just to let you know, I decided to get a shower. And that's where I got sick. Oh, yeah, it's a good sermon, huh? Right? Okay. And Doritos are not a good thing to, like, back up. It's like all over the place. One time, I remember I went, I, I, I like pierogies. Anybody like pierogies? 
Who likes pierogies? Aren't they awesome? You may not after this. Um, but I, I came home from a church meeting many, many years ago, and I, I boil up my pierogies, and I put butter on them, put a little salt and pepper on them. Sounds good. And I ate them, and I was eating them like, man, this is awesome. Why is it that before you're sick, everything tastes incredibly awesome, right? So I'm just chucking them down. I make some more pierogies, pierogi man, you know, I'm eating them. And then later that night, and I tell you, I think pierogies came out my ears. I had them shooting out my nose. It was just like, bleh. I couldn't, I still to this day, this has been years ago, I might look at a pierogi and go, mm. All right. I remember Melissa and I were headed. It, that was it. My birthday was in April, and in, in May or June, we were headed somewhere, and we decided to pull in Taco Bell because I thought, oh, those Locos Tacos things. And I saw the Dorito sign, and I went, mm-mm, no, I'm out. I literally pulled out and went somewhere else. I couldn't do it, you know? And so here's what, Je- here's what Jesus is saying to this church. He's saying, guess what? Guess what? He said, I know your deeds, you know, I, I, you're fooling everybody else, but I know what you're doing. I really know where your heart is, and it makes me, bleh, it's, it's a pierogi, bleh, you know, it's, and it's making me bleh, sick. Like, I'm one of those people, if I eat a chicken cheesesteak and I get some of that gristle in there, I start to chew on it. I'm like, oh, pff, done with the whole thing. You know what I mean? I know some of you would just eat the whole thing and be like, yeah, that was good gristle. I'm like, ew, that's disgusting, right? I'm one of those people that, like, that kind of stuff, just, you know, right? And so he says, but you are lukewarm, and I'm about ready to vomit you up. Now, how many of you like coffee? Who likes coffee? All right. You like, you like coffee? Yeah. No, I'm not throwing coffee on you. No, no. Who likes coffee? Now, now I've got two displays here. Here we go. I've got, well, I actually have three. I'm sorry. Okay. How many like iced coffee? All right, I better give this to my wife or she'll kill me. So here you go. There's iced coffee. Go ahead. It's, you'll like it. You'll like it. Trust me. All right, and who likes, who, likes, who likes pumpkin spice? Okay, pumpkin spice. Anybody, anybody want pumpkin spice? Come on up. Okay, now look. Now look here. Who likes, now see, that is the one I gave to my wife is iced coffee, right? That's good. And this one right here is, is relatively hot. Who wants it? Right now. But it's pumpkin spice. Okay. Who wants it? Come get it. Come on, come get it. Somebody better come get it. I ain't taking it to you. And look, anybody, do you need any cream and sugar or anybody? Okay, so it's, it's, it's still warm. We like our coffee. We like it. We can have it cold. Is that good, hon? Okay, here we go. You want some sugar or anything? Okay, all right. Now, how many like vanilla coffee? How many want it at room temperature? Go ahead. Who wants to try it? Come on up, Natalie. You can try it. Here we go. See how much Natalie likes this. All right? Try it. Take a, take a drink of that. Okay. There, it's yours. You can have it. Okay. All right. So, so did you see her face? Hey, you liking yours? Yeah, most likes her. Shelly, you like yours? It's all just right here? Come get it, Jen. Here you go. Did I offer it? Here you go. Can you give this to Jen when she comes up there? All right. So, Natalie, how's yours? Okay, it's disgusting. So, right there, here's what's happening. You know, for years people said, okay, you want you on hot, 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 and, and then there's cold, and that means you're just ice cold, Chris. No, in this area they had both sources of water, 
But by the time it got to them, and if you were the last person, like if you were some of the people who were less, you got that lukewarm, you got that kind of coffee that Natalie has, right? You got that. We like our coffee hot, don't we? We like our coffee cold. We don't like our coffee like room temperature. And what Jesus is saying here is, man, I wish you were one or the other. Because you're making me want to vomit. You're really making me sick. He says, you say to me, it continues on, he says, you say to me that I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You know, I mean, when we look at that section of scripture, does that sound like people who are saved? I once was blind and now I'm blind, right? No, it doesn't to me. It says that they're doing everything. These are people that are in the church of Laodicea, but they're missing the point of who God is. Here I stand. Here I am. I'm standing and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see, in the Greek, as I've mentioned already, this term right here, ameo. If I say ameo, for some of you, it would be like if you ate a bunch of mayo, you want to vomit it out, right? Spit, spew, vomit, that is the term. It's only used in this verse in Scripture, in all the Bible. One place that it talks about, right? And you know what the Hebrew for that is? All right, no, just joking, all right. Uh, <laughs> I tried. You guys would have believed it if I didn't joke. All right. <clears throat> so many times we've eaten something rotten and it just is in our mouth and sometimes, like I don't like seeds. I remember one time somebody gave me like, um, it was some kind of like, I don't know, dessert and it had like all these little seeds and I was choking it down. I'm like, right, you know, you just do that kind of stuff. This is how Jesus feels about a church, about a church. That is missing the point so much so that it's making him sick to his stomach. You see, usually when people talk you know, about this verse, I think they kind of get it mixed up because they call it the lukewarm Christian. And anybody know what an oxymoron is? What is an oxymoron? What? Jumbo shrimp is an example. That you have two terms that are opposite things. Okay? And I'm not going to go through some of the other ones. Some say government efficiency. Right? Uh, <laughs> You know, we've heard that, that before. Um, so, but when we usually talk about it, it's something else. And I truly believe the biggest oxymoron that we can possibly have is lukewarm Christian. It, it doesn't make sense. I think it's, a, it's something that we say to make ourselves, I don't know, feel something. But in the scripture, there is no such thing as lukewarm and Christian. Nowhere in the scripture. Nowhere. And so what I want to do with you, with you today is I want to share with you, I'm going to share with you, Seven qualities of a lukewarm Christian. There are others that are in the book and in the chapter. <coughs> but I just really believe that God just wants me to share these. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this this week. And so um, I want to look at this. Number, um, so here we go. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's some. And you may, and I, I don't, here's what I want you to do. I, don't, I want to say this. I don't want anybody to think, oh, Jack's just hammering on people today. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. Because one of the things, if anybody's learned anything about me, is the fact that I hammer on myself. I hope you recognize that. And there are a lot of things in this list, and we're going to talk about that toward the end, that I'm struggling with, and I'm looking at myself as well to say, am I the oxy living oxymoron? 
all right? And so, but I'll, I'll tell you, if you look, uh, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to this. Just hang in there, all right? Everybody hang in. All right, so number one is lukewarm people. Notice I didn't say Christians. Lukewarm people, number one, crave, crave or choose acceptance from the world more than acceptance from God. In Timothy, it tells us that in the end times, people would be lovers of self. Now, I got to stop right here. Has anybody been out in public lately? Have you seen the selfie generation? There will be an accident going on and people be like, look at me, I'm at the accident, yeah. You know, have you seen this? There'll be fights going. There are millions of videos of, of fist fights and people going, I'm here, right? We are so self-important. We love ourselves so much, so much so, that we, we live in this selfie-centered generation. Do you, do you like me? Do you really like me? And I'm going to tell you everything about me, and I'm going to spin it away so that you're going to like me. That when something goes on in life, we go ahead and we put post and post and post about it, don't we? We post it. We have, you, you ever see, read the post that you're, like sometimes you see the post and you are so tired. You skim. We've actually reached a point where people skim posts, even in Twitter, all right? You only have so many characters there. They upped their characters, didn't they? Anybody know? I think they did. So, but we love to be the front and center, and we, we are in that area of lovers of self. Do you like me? Do you approve of me? Do you like my hair? Do you like my shoes? Do you like my boyfriend? Do you like my girlfriend? Do you like this? Do you like that? Boom, and it's just, it's so there all the time. So there all the time. And we often choose popularity over what is right when we are in areas of conflicted times. We live in a time where we're afraid to speak out gospel truth and more so just to go along with the group. I, in my classes in sociology and psychology, I do a study on conformity. And it's so fascinating that I do this. I will put up a, a line. I'll put a line up. Just a, a line straight up, and if somebody leaves the room, I'll put a line up, and then there'll be A, B, and C. There are three different lines. Line A matches the test line, and, when they're, and B is shorter, C is longer. And I tell the class, no, I'm going to ask which line is longer when so-and-so comes back in, and we're going to see if they agree with you. Okay? Everybody with me? Understand what I'm saying here? So we'll do that. All of a sudden, they come back in. And I say, now, I want some people, a couple people to say B, and I want everybody else to say C. Now, if you look at it, anybody who can see knows they are not equal. But every time I've done this, every single time I've done this, I say, raise your hand if, for line A. And the person will start, and then they'll look around, and they'll stop. They know that it's equal to it. They know absolutely it's perfect to it. But they won't raise their hand. And I'll say B, and a couple people raise their hand. And then when the majority says C and raises their hand, that person who is out of the room goes, and raises their hand every time I've done it. And I'll say, let's, let's do this again. I want you to really look at it. Which line is equal to the, to the other line? How many say A? Not one person raises their hand. How many say B? Same couple people. How many say C? Boom, including the person who was out of the room. Then in other words, we would rather go along than to be right. And that is it's just such an amazing thing. We would rather conform to the world. Remember that, those slides about how big the universe is and how, how vast the, the galaxies are? We would rather conform to people who are here for this amount of time than rather the God who created it all. There's something wrong in our Christian faith if that's what we're doing. We have a desire to fit in both areas, to fit in the church and to fit into the world. Our morality 
it is rest in goodness from what, um, from what the people that we know around us rather than what God claims. I read something this week where someone said, if everyone speaks well of you, you may not be following Jesus. Isn't that big? You know, because a lot of people spoke really bad about Jesus, didn't they? The majority of people that we see eventually spoke bad about Jesus. And so if, if we are, and you know, I always thought, wow, I'm a good person. I like people. And darn it, I'm, I would be my own friend. All right? So why do people sometimes not like me? And I get all worried about it. But maybe it's just because, maybe, just maybe, it's because in some areas of my life I'm serving Jesus. And some people aren't going to like it. Doesn't that help you with that person that you can't get through to? Look at what it says here in, and many of us may not even know it. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 23. Everything they do, he's talking about the Pharisees who were Jewish scholars. And here's what they said. He said, everything they do is is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries, why? Now, how many know what a phylactery is? Okay, in a Jewish prayer center, they have this box on their head. It's got a verse of scripture in there. And then it's a strap of leather that comes down around their arms, and they pray. And they pray, and they go like this. And he says, basically, the phylacteries are usually about this big. He said they make their phylacteries wide. (laughs) And then they wear a tallit which is a, a prayer shawl. They make their tassels long, so their tassels are just everywhere. They look like a go-go dancer with all these things, right? They got all these, or flapper. Here we go. So here you go. Here they are. And then they're praying and saying, look at me. And I have been on a plane in Israel. I've been on a plane on the way to Israel. When the sun comes up and it's time to pray, they stand in the middle and they're, uh, and they're looking all around at everybody. Hey, look at me. I'm good. Oh, you know, this kind of stuff. And he's saying they're doing this stuff to be seen by everybody here. It says, they love their place of honor at banquets. How many of you like, kind of like when you, you get like a place of honor? I do. Like if I went to the, I went to, if, if I went to the football game, I went to the football game this week, if, if you go to the football game and I'm paying for seats in the nosebleeds and they say, hey, um, they want you to go down on the field next to the players, I'd be like, Darn right they do. They finally found out what's there. I'll be right down there. I'll be like, yeah. And I would take selfies of myself and say, look who I'm standing next to. Mm, Right? We like the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and have people call them rabbi. I've met many colleagues that have so many Degrees and no heat. They, they have so many initials from every theological group, and yet their hearts are so far from God. But they love to be called this and that. Are we really at a point where we've missed the boat on that? Number two, lukewarm people rarely share their faith with anyone. They don't want to be weird. They don't want to be weird. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to offend. They're uncomf- they don't want to be un- uncomfortable. But let's really look at what it is. The heart of the matter when we do not share our faith is simply this. That we really don't believe in the power of the gospel to transform lives. I'm going to say that again because that's a, a weighty statement. When we don't share 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we don't share our faith, when we don't tell people what Christ did for us, we really, the heart of the matter is we don't honestly believe that it's life-transforming power through Jesus Christ. Otherwise, if it is and we truly believe that, we should share that with every person we come across. If we believed it, fear would disappear. Being weird would disappear. And we would pray every day before we got out of bed, God, please give me an opportunity to share my faith. God, give me an opportunity that someone today can come to know you through me opening my mouth and saying, this is what Jesus did for me. There have been several examples in my life of not sharing my faith. I remember one time in college, my roommate who was not a believer, I actually got into an argument with him and told him he was stupid. Just to let you know, that's not a good manner of of evangelism. You're stupid. You need to believe in Jesus. You're stupid. All right? That's not a way to do it. Not a way to yell. Not a way to do that kind of That's not how it's done. You know the way to share your faith? Share your life in what Christ has done. You are the biggest witness of what Jesus has done. Look, yeah, it, see, it's, it's a major thing, and it even has eternal significance. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 10. Whoever acknowledges me before men, and that also includes women, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. You say, okay, good. If I go ahead and share my faith with others, then God, Jesus is going to say, all right, Daddy, he shared about me. Hey, it's cool. But listen to this. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Ouch. Ouch. All right? It's weighty. These aren't easy, right? These aren't easy. Number three. Lukewarm people do not care about being saved from their sin, but only from the penalty of their sin. I remember as a kid, when I'd get in trouble, it often wasn't what I did that I was upset about. It was the punishment I was going to get. Like, when I was 14 years old, I got in a car with my friends and spent the weekend in Baltimore. <laughs> right? And I thought, hey, I was supposed to go with my friends. Right, Jill? Remember that? And when I, I remember calling, it was an extended weekend, like a, like a Memorial Day, I think. And I called home, and my, my parents were away at the time. And this was long before cell phones. And I picked up the phone, and I called my, my home, and I said, hey, we're going to stay another day. And Dad goes, are you having fun? And I said, yeah, I am. He said, good, because when you get home, you're dead. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Talk to you later, Daddy. You know? And when I got home, I remember headed down 95 on the way home. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm, oh, I'm in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble. And I got home, and my dad had written a letter. Now, just to let you know, it, those of you who know my father know that when he writes a letter, it means he does that so he will not destroy you and be arrested. And, and when you get a letter, it's worse than him breaking out a paddle. Uh, trust me, it's eight billion times worse. He wrote a letter. It's not like that song, my baby wrote me a letter, my daddy wrote me a letter. It ain't good. And so I read that letter, and in there, actually, he typed it. That was back in the typewriter days, so he was really, really mad. All right? And so I had, like, the death penalty for kids. You know, I had like this strict. We talked about it. He saw a little bit of what I said, but I was scared to death. 
And much of us take on our faith that way. We really don't care about the sins that we commit. We don't even like the concept of sin. Our culture doesn't even consider anything sin anymore. What's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. And really, to hell with what this means, is what we say. It's an old book written by old people. Yeah, it tells me about God, but really, they didn't live in the times we live now. And we will take it, and we take the word of God to distort it and believe anything we want to believe, anything. I can show you in there where I can go kill my neighbor. I can say where I can sleep on the roof with a quarrelsome wife. He even talks about a dog returning to its own vomit. Different, different word in this one. It's like, okay? It's in Hebrew. I can, I can justify, as many people have, racism for years by attributing racism to the mark of Cain, which is a wrong interpretation in order to have some people commit atrocities beyond atrocities. I can do whatever I want to. I can use it for sexism. I can use it for one thing after the other if I want to. If I want to. But ultimately, I don't care about the results. I can make my sin be not sin at all. But let me ask you a question. When Jesus says, in order to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. How many of us every day say, I want to sacrifice my life for Christ? We want guilt removed, don't we? We don't like guilt. In Romans chapter 6, they had the same problem. And Paul writes this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Because there were some people in the churches at the time that were saying, Woo! Jesus freed us from our sin. Let's do whatever we want so that we can be free all the more. They would do whatever they wanted to do and then say, We're sorry, God. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You see, in other words, we love God. I'm not saying we don't love God, but we don't love God as in Matthew says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. How many of us would be like in Matthew 13 where the man knows there's a treasure in a field and he sells everything he has to buy that field? Because he knows there's a treasure there. He knows it's there. Everybody thinks he's crazy. He's giving away what he has. And he said, no, no, the treasure in that field is greater than what I have. How many of us look to God, the creator of the universe? We look at our stuff here and we got some really cool stuff. But how many look at God and say, wow, I want to give it all away. I take every single ounce of it and throw it away for that treasure. That treasure. Number four. Lukewarm people think more about their life on earth than life in heaven. On page 70, in other words, we're consumed by the life here more than heaven. Guess what? I want to tell you. Everybody in a graveyard has lived and died. That's, you can post that today. And guess what? Everybody in this room is lived and going to die. Every single one of us. It's going to do that. We are calendar-driven people, aren't we? We are driven by stuff to do, stuff to do, stuff to do, stuff to do. And often, we don't think about heaven. But I want to share with you a quote from the great C.S. Lewis. who writes this. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for this present world were precisely those who thought most about the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased 
to think of the other world that they had become so ineffective in this. In other words, those who thought about heaven as their home affected the world more positively than those who think about this world. You see, the reason why we give and the reason why we serve and the reason why we do things as a church and, and the reason why I'm, I'm passionate about that and it seems you are is because we're passing through. And maybe, just maybe by a shoebox like was shared by Natalia last week, just maybe by giving and going and serving and, and, and providing for a church in Haiti, just maybe people will come to know Jesus and we can stand there in heaven where we're going to spend eternity and they can say, because of what you did, because you focused on here, we're now neighbors in heaven. In Philippians 3, 18, it says, For as I have told you before and now tell you again, even with many tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. i got to be honest. I get caught up in so much stuff here that often by the end of the day, I don't have time to think about heaven because I'm so caught up in stuff here. And isn't that a great tool of Satan to keep us caught up with junk here? Number five, they love God partially and when they need something. We, give God, we love God, but we give God a section of our life. Just like work, just like family. Faith in God is somewhere else in our life. Just another component of that. We have our thoughts, but God is not in control of our lives. There's no complete devotion, but we're tolerant of that love. We don't love him with our whole heart, mind, and soul. Look at this verse from Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, people are coming up to Jesus, and he's kind of a rock star at this point. People are following him, and they say to him, hey, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And one person comes up and goes, Jesus says, follow me. And the person says, whoa, okay, wait, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus turns to him and says, let the dead bury their dead. It's not that Jesus is just being, being nasty. It's just like he's, he's, this is one of the 13 or 14 people that Jesus called to exactly follow him. And the person said, wait, I got something to do in my life. So then he goes on a little bit further, and we have this. And this person says, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replies and says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever tried to ride down the road looking in the rearview seat? What's going to happen? You're going to crash. Jesus said, I need you to be sold out to me. I need you to follow me. Every one of the disciples left their nets and followed him. They left the tax collecting booth and followed Jesus. They didn't say, ah, I'll be back on Wednesday. Ah. Number six. I'm going to be real short with this because you guys are awesome at this. They give out of abundance and convenience. And as I said, I have it written right down here in my notes. This is the first church that has really embraced giving and servant giving. Giving not out of abundance, but giving out of your hearts. Giving, out, giving where it hurts at times. In the scripture, Arana had this threshing floor, and they wanted to, David wanted it for the temple. And Arana said to David, here, take it, take it. And David's made something that I think is so important for us today. I will not take anything from my God that doesn't cost me something. You see, David understood that this stuff here is given by God, and we should just give it back to God. We should just take care of it in order to have others. Often, those who are lukewarm give out of their abundance. Ah, I got a little bit more this time. Or they give out of begrudgingly. Or they... 
They say, I'm not going to let it harm. I'm not going to change my standard of life. I'm not going to change how I live. I got to tell you, when, when I saw Haiti, and I saw the people that we talked about last year in Radical, that they live on $2 or less a day, it changed my heart. I say, well, maybe I need to change some stuff. And you know what? It's so easy that when you get back into it, back into the culture, it's easy to go. Like, look at this right here. Look, I got $2. Look, look at this. Ready? Where'd it go? Look at this. Here we go. <laughs> See, look. Look at that. He didn't even move. You guys did not even move. Has it even been picked up? You didn't go, whoa, Jack's throwing out $2. You're not going to go ahead and hurry, hurry up and get to church. Jack's throwing out $2. Come here. Get, get it. Hurry, hurry, hurry. It's still not picked up. You still haven't touched it. You guys kind of went, mm, I don't want it. Yet in the majority of the world, people would lunge at each other for that. They would go crazy for each other to get that $1. That's what they live on. And we go, dollars. If I threw $1,000 out, would you still have the same feel? Look, they didn't throw it back. They didn't throw it back. I want to share something with you real quick. It's from Luke chapter 21. It's about the widow's mite. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury, and he also saw the poor widow put two very small copper coins. And Jesus said, very truly, I tell you that this poor widow has put in more than the others. And they're all saying, what are you doing, Jesus? Are you crazy? Did you see all that? Did you see the bank they put in there? And he says, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all she had to live on. One of the things I found out is um, one of the children from, um, from Haiti, Pastor Ug told me that every week she shows up and puts a little bit in the offering plate. She has nothing. She puts it in the offering plate. Do you realize that the widows might at 4% semi-annually would be $4.8 billion trillion today? That little bit that she gave would be an incredible difference to so many others. Number seven, lukewarm people really are not that much different than the rest of the world. Really are not that much different. And I put the wrong scripture lesson there, so don't worry. In 2 Corinthians, we're told to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. In Luke 14, 34 through 35, it talks about salt and light. We're told to be salt and light for the world. And it says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit for neither the soil or the manure pile. In other words, if you've lost the intention of what you're to be, if the church ever loses what we're supposed to be, and that's about sharing and being the body of Christ in the world, then we're not, we're just, we're not even good for a manure pile. So you say, okay, Jack, I hear this. And I realize that there may be some areas, I got to tell you, there may be some areas in my life that I'm, I'm feeling a little lukewarm in. So what do I do? So if you want to know how to not make God vomit, I'm going to give you three things. Number one, don't give God leftovers. You see, leftovers were not a concept in ancient 
um, in ancient biblical times because you didn't have refrigerators and stuff. And so it would often get moldy, filled with maggots and other stuff, and you're not going to put it in your mouth, are you? You see, if we really get this, if we really get what Jesus is saying to the church there, he said, but you do not realize that you're wretched, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me and clothes. They had clothes. And when I found that, it says um, white clothes to wear because they were known for their, their black wool clothes. Okay? And he's saying, and so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And look at what he says. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. What did I say they were good at selling? Salve, he's saying you're good at selling this around the world, but you're blind yourself. You're missing the point. And if we really get this, if we really recognize that God is the treasure and all this stuff in the world is just extra stuff that none of us are taking any of it with us. You can put it in the casket with you. You can bury it with you. And guess what? It's going to rust. It's going to destroy. I'm not taking one thing with me from this world except my faith in Jesus Christ. And if I'm willing to get rid of this world, this world that, it, that I showed you the picture that the galaxy's so big, we're so small, we're so tiny. Remember 100,000 light years just to get from one side to the galaxy, Milky Way galaxy to the other. And here we are. And this stuff around us is so important. So important. It worries us. It, it drives us crazy. But are we willing to go ahead and trade it in for the treasure, which is Jesus Christ? This little stuff. Rarely in our society, it's so hard because we don't care about $2. It's so hard in our culture that in our society, how many times do we really get up in the morning and say, God, please to stay, give me my daily bread. Do we really in our culture worry, worry, worry where our food's going to come from all the time? Do we really, really like sleep us? How am I going to feed my family today? We are so blessed And that's why Jesus said it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because we got so much stuff and we can put faith in our stuff and not God. This is what Laodicea was doing. They put all their faith in their stuff. They don't even need the Roman government to help them come from the rubble. They can take care of it themselves. And many of us apply that to our lives every day. Look at what I did. Look at my stuff. See what I'm doing. Do this. And in one second, it could all be gone. And we're going to wait till that point to depend on God. Then we're wrong. And imagine how it feels for God that we are trading all this crap in life for him. And so he says, you care more about that crap than you do me. And it makes me want to vomit. It makes me sick. I've given you my son. I've given you my spirit. I've given you everything that you have. And you still look at me and you give me the junk that you have. And you just say, call it faith. And it makes me want to vomit my life. James 2 19 says you believe there's God good even the demons believe that and shudder. You see God deserves our best. God deserves our best. In Revelation 19 he's, why is God telling us this? Not to beat us down not to hammer us but to say this those who I love I rebuke and I discipline. So number two is this Realize what really matters, according to God, is how we love. How we love others. We need to give a health check. Has anybody ever really looked at the ingredients on the back of like a potato chips? Like, you know, they have like zero, zero trans fat. You go, wow, that's awesome. Zero trans fat, that's good. That's a good thing. But then you start to look at the other chemicals and stuff that's in there. 
you realize, maybe this ain't too good for me. Right? Many of us are living our life like that. And you know, I gotta say, one of the things that bothers me more than anything today is that to be a pastor in this world, to be a pastor in our culture, you do not have to love people. You can go ahead and you can be a gifted speaker. You can go ahead, you can be humorous. You can pray for people. You can be entertaining. And you cannot love one person. You can be a marketing genius, genius and be a good pastor in our culture today. You cannot even love Jesus and make it happen. When we look at 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. Here's your homework. Everybody want homework? I don't care what you want or not, I'm giving it to you. Here we go. You want homework? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 3. And when it says love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, does not prosper, does not, is not envy, is not blah, 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 okay? I want you, every time there's love, I want you to put your name in. See if you stand the test. I don't. Love is patient. Not. Love is gentle. Not. Love is not boastful. Definitely not. <laughs> Love keeps no record of wrongs. I just X the rest of you out, right? That's what God wants from us. That's what he cares about. We, and here's what we got to do. Our Christian faith is this. It's the Dory approach. Anybody see Nemo? What does Dory say? Keeps, just keep swimming, 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 just keep swimming. You know, if our faith is about swimming upstream toward God, I'm not saying that it's, it, it's like everything that we do is bad. No, don't hear me in that. But I'm saying that when we stop swimming toward God, the current takes us away from Jesus. And many, I believe, in the American church today, particularly, have just stopped swimming toward him. We've stopped swimming. Stopped swimming and we get sucked by the current somewhere else. In closing today, the last thing, and this is something that I'm going to do very quickly, is we need to remember and we need to care. Because I would dare say one of the things that we do, we hear this in churches, we study it in our studies, and then we go and do nothing with it. What we're talking about here is heaven and hell. And many of us, when we hear hell, we're so numb to hearing hell that we don't even take time to think about it. Remember the throne room of God in Isaiah and also John? Remember when the first week that I shared about the galaxy of God and how God is so diverse, that he has all those different kinds of trees, and we even talked about all the muscles in the head of a caterpillar and how God is so great and amazing? When I look at all that and I look at this, I recognize that after I've studied this, after I've preached this, and after i said this, that I know that there's going to be a time where I have been looking at myself. And one of the things that bothers me the most as a pastor, that bothers me the most, take the pastor out as a Christian, is the fact that I ask myself, man, I am a Laodicean. I am lukewarm. You know, because I get clouded by all the stuff. I get clouded by my house, my car, even my family. I have all that kind of stuff. And that, that all those things are awesome but they're so far down compared to God. And I need to love him more and love everything else less. I don't want to make God vomit anymore. I don't want God to go, hear from Jesus, uh, Jack's praying again. He goes, Bleh. 
right? I wanted to do that. I don't say, God, Jack is, Jack is playing a song again. God, Jack is seeking forgiveness again. All right. That's what I want. God, Jack is saying, hey, he's tired of being lukewarm. Jack's decided there's some areas of his life that need to go completely away. And he says, all right. Jack's deciding that he does, he's tired of lukewarmness. He wants to, he's hearing my voice and saying, be hot or cold. You see, my greatest fear is that we will leave this room and not care. Because here's what Jesus says in verse 20 as we wrap up and the worship team comes up. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. Does that annoy you if somebody did that to your door? Like some of you will like turn off the lights this week, trick-or-treating. You, you follow the rules. You don't have the porch lights on. Somebody be like, hello, trick-or-treat. Smell my feet. Give me something good to eat. Hello. And Jesus is at the door of your heart going, hello. Hello. You're cold. You're hot. I wish you were not. Come on. Open the door. Let me come in. I'm hungry. I want to sit down with you. Hello? Hello? And we go, no, God, I got this to do. I got to do that. I got to do boom, 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 boom. We do all this stuff. And he says, I'm still knocking. And the whole time he's knocking, and we aren't letting him come in, God's, boom. open the door to your hearts and let him come in. Open the door to your hearts and let him come in. Because as it says here, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And and they with me, and the one who overcomes or is victorious, I will give the right to sit on my throne. Stop. Do you remember the throne room of God? If you overcome this stuff and you choose God above everything, when you get to heaven, he says, come on, sit up here on my throne with all the angels and all that stuff. And he says, yeah, isn't this cool? And you're like, yeah, because it's greater than all this. This is cool. God is greater. God is so great, so great. Scripture talks about a wide and a narrow road. It said, wide is the path to destruction. Many will choose it. Narrow. Very few will do that. My prayer is that today, and each and every day of our lives, we look and say, am I going to choose that narrow? Am I going to serve you? Am I going to love you? So that I can sit on daddy's lap in heaven, on his throne, with all that cool stuff going around, and you go, wow, this is cool. And he says, you overcame. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? All right, everybody stand. <clears throat> Lord God, we come to you today, and, and I just want to say, hey, it's, it's me. There's an, old, there's an old song, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, stand in need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. And I got a lot of lukewarm stuff in my life. I failed you. I, I'll probably fail you five minutes after I walk out the door and somebody doesn't hold the door for me. Or 10 minutes up the road where somebody cuts me off. Or when I step out and I'm getting wet on my head and I'm like, oh man, this rain. and uh, doesn't matter. Oh, that I would be able to say everything I once held dear, I counted all as lost. For the kingdom of God. And I believe there's some people here today who just need to open their heart for the first time. And say, I need a savior and you're it. I need you to come into my life. 
I need you to be my Lord. I need you to, to not be a part of my life, but I need you to be full and center. So God, whatever I have fails in the comparison to the treasure that you are. So I'm going to trade it all in for you. Can I do that, God? Can I trade it all for you? Others of us here today are saying, God, show me where I'm lukewarm. Show me those areas where I'm lukewarm. And then more importantly, am I willing to say, God, everything I have, everything I have, I lay down to follow you because I want to sit on my daddy's lap in heaven. I want to sit on the throne. I want to see all that stuff. I want people saying great things about my daddy. Not about me in this world, because that's going to fail, but I want to hear all, the, all, all of all creation it's praising my daddy. So God, in the time that we have now, bring your spirit. And I also say, Satan, you don't have a hold in this room and telling people that we're trying to judge people. That's not what we're trying to do. We're all in the same stinking boat. We all have a little bit of Laodicea in us. But more importantly, we have a Savior who overcame it all. We'll serve him in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please come. There'll be people up here who will abide with you and pray with you and agree with you in prayer. Please do that. Don't leave here today without Jesus touching your heart. not be anxious it's Jesus you are near the peace of God surrounding me is casting out all fears the hand that holds the heaven Is the mighty hand that saves the voice that calms the stormy seas is calling me by name. I'm singing in the victory, the victory of the cross. I'm resting in the shadow of your redeeming love. I'm standing on the promise, the promise of your life, cause I am yours forever, and Jesus, you are mine, yeah, Jesus, you are mine, and when I the fullness of your grace yes I'll remember Calvary where you took my place I'm singing in the victory the victory of the cross I'm resting in your shadow your redeeming love I'm standing on the promise 
So next week, um, that, next week we're going to go ahead. You're going to put it up here, Melinda, for us? Let me count the ways, right? Isn't that what it is? It is. I'll let you know. It's here. There it is. Let me count the ways. So for those in the group, um, basically, just to let you know, we did lukewarm, and then we also did the God leftover. So we did two chapters this week into this week's message. I want to let you know that, all right? So get reading, uh, all right? So have an awesome week in Jesus. And again, do not let Satan tell you you're down. Let, let him tell you that he's, you tell him he's defeated. Amen? Have a great week in Jesus. <laughs>